Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings the card game. My name's John, and here's my co-host. If you want him, come and claim him. It's Emery. <laughs> Just putting the offer out there. <laughs> Hello, John. <laughs> and please, listen, please do come and claim him. Yeah. If anyone is missing him, please do just come and claim him. <laughs> Does anyone claim this guy? No? No? Okay. <sighs> I'll keep him then. That was um, that was pretty badass thing of oh. her to say, wasn't it, at that point? Yeah. It's fantastic. I love it. Come on in, if you think you're yeah, hard enough, exactly. basically. You know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've just stood here in this river. I'm not going to do any magic or any funny business. You just come at me. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just me and my sword. I'm not, I won't do anything, promise. I promise. All right, okay, fine. <laughs> I love the way the riders do that sudden look to the left, you know, like in a cartoon. So it's look to the left, there's just like huge, giant horses running it. <laughs> what now? <laughs> that was great, by the way, that bit in the film. The way they did those horses in the water. Oh, yeah. Coming down the river. No, it's fantastic. Because I think in the book, it's kind of just sort of suggested that it's got the power of the horses are, are almost encapsulated in the water. And I was thinking, oh, how are they going to really do this? And it just blew me away when I saw that for the first time. I thought, oh, this is uh, this this is all right, I thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so far, it's satisfactory. Yeah, because... Well, I, but I also... Because I remember... Because, of course, they built up Arwen's part for the film uh, because they wanted to sort of give more weight to the female part. No, what's wrong? To the female parts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) These female parts need more weight. (laughs) I can't remember what I was going to say, no. What was I saying? You wanted to give more weight to the female characters. Yeah, that's right. Um, something. But what did I? How did I get onto that? About it because it was Arwen rather than in the book. It's what's his face who it, saves from ex- rather than Arwen. <laughs> well, exactly. But that's what I was going to say. Who is it? Who is it in the book? An elf, a Glorfindel, maybe. An elf. <laughs> it's an elf. <laughs> I can't remember, but it wasn't Arwen. I think it is Glorfindel. Yeah, but also, I think. The way that they give more weight to Arwen's character, that really is key, I think, to the story of what Aragorn goes through. Yeah. Kind of dramatically in the in the film. Yeah, as no, well. no, I love it. I love how they fleshed out Arwen's character. I mean, a lot of her character work that they show in the film is in the books, but not like actually in the books. You have to really start getting into the appendices and all that sort of backstory is written in there. Um but yeah, no, that, that scene is, is really terrific. Um, so anyway, sir, how are you? How have you been? We are recording again relatively soon after the last uh, last time. I mean, relative compared to the three months we had between the, the episodes before that. Yeah, and hopefully we can keep this up going forward. Let's let's see. Um, but yeah, what have I... So it's only been a couple of weeks since we recorded last. Um, yeah, not a lot to report in those last couple of weeks. It's been very busy. What if I... I did watch that... Um, Squid Game. Oh yeah, the, that Netflix series which seems to have taken off everywhere. Have you have you I seen? Thought that? you were going to say documentary. Then I, said, I don't think it's a documentary. <laughs> it's not a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet. I mean, it, it, not for any other reason than um, I just haven't. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I've not, to be honest, it wasn't. It wouldn't even. It wouldn't normally be the kind of thing I'd necessarily be overly interested in because I've 
you know, someone told me about it. I saw an advert. I thought it seems to be about just a lot of people doing sort of bloody gory games, basically. That that particularly interests me. But then another friend who's uh, also told me about it said it was really good, and we seem to have quite similar tastes. I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. And it was it was really different to I think what the advert presented it as. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Actually, it was very well thought out and really well written. I thought, yeah, it's really 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 good story. Um, I won't say anything about it for sort of spoilers or anything like that in case you do watch it. But I did read before I watched it that there was some kind of controversy about the um, the subtitles. The English subtitling, I was about to say, yeah that, yeah. that some of the subtlety is lost in the translation. But I couldn't find anything that talked about the dubbed version. And you know me, John, I don't like dubbed, to watch dubbed versions of anything, really. I'd much rather read subtitles. But I thought, you know what? Maybe the dubbed version is just somebody literally reading the subtitles. Or maybe it isn't. I wasn't sure. Uh, so I watched the dubbed version. <laughs> and it was quite, when I started watching it, it was quite jarring because the dubbing is not fantastic. You know how hard it is to, yeah. to dub because the sentence lengths are so different for a lot of the time, you know. <laughs> so so it's it one of those, you know, like what those old Kung Fu films where the dubbing's just crazy off, you know. And there was a few moments like that. Uh, but it, it didn't really deter it too much. But yeah, I, I, got, I got about a third of the way through it and I kind of regret doing the dubbing. But I've done it now. I'll just have to... I can't cope with the actors' voices changing all of a sudden, so I let myself down a bit there. I'm not going to lie. That'd be too much for you to uh, to make a sudden change like that. I, what I thought you were going to say is that you watched the dub version with the subtitles on, so that you could fact check it. Yeah, I'll leave that to others. <laughs> Squid Game fact check. <laughs> it's full of facts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, does the squid win in the end? I couldn't possibly tell you that. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> no, it's very yeah. I really enjoyed it. it I got. I, I tried to be patient about it, just watching like an episode a day for mm-hmm. every couple of days, and then uh, you know you, you have much more discipline about that kind of thing compared to me. You know, I, I end up binging, it, and I did end up binging for the last three or four episodes in pretty much one day. Yeah, when I should have been doing other things, so that was bad. <laughs> but um, yeah. So that's just why I don't watch too many TV shows. It will just, if I get hooked into it, I'll just, I'll just one more episode, one more episode. I want a classic binger. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, maybe it's better to, to watch things as they're released weekly if you can. But yeah, but I think all of them are. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this, this one was released all in one go anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 See, I, but I, I'm a bit similar in this. I mean, I'm, like you say, I'm quite good at just watching things. Like, even if it's all released in one go, I'll just take my time to watch it. But, as I get towards the end, that's where I struggle. It's like, well, now I just really want to know how it ends. If it's really taken hold of me, then it's like, okay, I will watch the last two or three in one hit. So I'm, yeah, you know, that's okay. I'm no. also guilty. Then the last bit becomes just becomes like a movie. Exactly. exactly. I guess. Right? <laughs> hey, it's <the> word movie. <laughs> Happens once in a while. <laughs> um, how about yourself, John? What have you been up to? Um, well, can I can I shock you? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> Yesterday, or last night, I should say, I interacted with the outside world. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. How, how so? What were these circumstances? <laughs> um, well, you may remember before the pandemic, it was uh, 
a mere year and a half ago. Uh, and back then, one of my favorite things to do, genuinely, is was um, is to play poker. Uh, I mean, I do. I love games in general, and I find that that uh, when I play board games around the table, uh, just with my friends, I very, very rarely play competitively. It's just that I'm just there to have a good time, really. And then I get my competitive fix by sitting around the card table playing poker. And uh, my local card room just started games again after being closed for the last year and a half. And I thought, well, do you know what? I cannot sit locked indoors for the rest of my life. So I plucked up courage and I headed there last night. Um, but I must say, it it was quite a shock to the system. For one, I was outside. Two, there were people there. <laughs> and three, I forgot how late these things start. I mean, these sort of games don't really get going until, well, the witching hour and beyond. So... By the time I got home, I think it was about 3 a.m. And nowadays I cannot sleep in in the mornings anymore. I'm too old to sleep in. I'm at the age where (laughs) it's morning, I'm getting up. I've got things to do, um, according to my body. (laughs) Um, So so I'm operating on about four hours sleep. So uh, today's recording might be a little bit... But are you also recording on on a wave of victory? Or how did you get on? Well, I I often say that poker is the hardest way to make an easy living. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was, I, I, I came out on top, but I don't know. It's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> know if my profit quite equals the, whatever it was, seven hours. Yeah, your hourly rate. <laughs> yeah. <wasn't... laughs> But I did have a good time. It was very strange to be in a public place and it was very strange to be close to that many people. But once I settled into it, it actually did feel quite refreshing. And uh, yeah, I I think I I, I kind of missed it, I think. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I think I mentioned last time, going to a couple of gigs and things like that again after all this time. It's amazing how quickly you kind of settle back into it because that's a... You know, that's how it should be, you know, yeah. spending time with people and seeing others, not being cooped up all the time, I guess. But yeah, that's good. So, um, and it's, was it Texas Texas Hold'em you play, right? Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think the first time I ever played Texas Hold'em was a couple of times I played with, with you, John. Um, I'd always played, I'm not even sure what it's called. What's the one where you just get five cards and you can you have a round of betting, then you swap some and you have another round of yeah, betting. Yeah, like if, like yeah, let's draw. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't draw. Well, but there seems to be a bit more. There's probably way less nuance in it in terms of yeah, what's happening on in terms of the actual cards. But there is, I think it seems there is a bit more reliance on on bluff and just <laughs> you know a bit more random elements. I think it suits me better. Yeah. So I'm not very good. <laughs> no, I do, I, so, I do remember spending your money. Yes, <laughs> that's when you bought your new house, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I did not come out on time. I remember that. You're always welcome. You're always <laughs> yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sucker. Um, so that's, that was my big adventure. But so I do apologise if I'm a little bit sleepy and a little bit um, 
not on the ball as much as I usually am, which is not always that much anyway. But uh, we'll see. If we hear snoring, then we'll give you a virtual prod. That that doesn't sound good. (laughs) I'll shout. I'll shout and wake you up. There you go. Um, Okay, well. Poker is not... Speaking of card games. Yeah, I was going to say, well, <laughs> poker is not the card game we're going to be discussing today, apart from we just discussed it. Um, but we are going to be talking about Lord of the Rings, the card game, of course. And we are going to be back discussing some player cards after what seems like an eternity away. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. We were stuck in the mines of Moria for an awfully long time, weren't we? We certainly were, yeah, yeah. So we're going to start discussing player cards from the second cycle of the game, which is the Dwaradov cycle, and we're going to break it down in the same way we did the uh, Shadows of Mirkwood. So we're going to break the player cards into, obviously, the individual spheres, but then the first collection we're going to do is all the heroes and the neutral cards, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. yeah I'm very, I'm very excited because... Uh, two or three of my absolute favourite ever cards that we're going to cover today. Mm. <laughs> that is exciting, isn't it? I say favourite ever. I mean, I've maybe got the cards from two cycles anyway, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the others are. But the ones I've seen so far, yeah. That's fair enough. That's great. Should we just dive straight in? Yeah. All okay. right, let's do it. Okay, well, I think we'll talk about them in the order they release. So... The one that we got in the first AP. Shall I start? Yeah, please. Go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says after having started. <laughs> please be my guest. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, so the hero that we got in the first AP is... I need my glasses. <laughs> is, it's going to be one of those episodes. Is Elra here? Elro here, Elro here, Elro here. Is it a hard O? Elro here, Elro here, Elro here. It's Elro here. Um, <laughs> Hi, Elro. And he's a hero, of course. And he has a threat cost of ten. He has willpower of two. He hits for two. He defends for one, and he has four hit points. So yeah, he's a pretty average hero <laughs> in, in that respect um he is noldor noble and a ranger and he says this ah it says while eladan is in play elrohir gets plus two defense and he has a response after elrohir is declared as a defender Pay one resource from his resource pool to ready him. So, immediately, the question is, who is Aladan? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you look through all the cards. <laughs> um, now, Elrohir, um, I don't know if you remember, so Elrohir and Aladan are Elrond's sons, the twins. So he, they are. I don't think that they're not featured in the films at all. I don't think. But I don't think so. Elrond's son sounds like a pixie song. <laughs> That's Nim- Nimrod's son. <laughs> um, but they're they're the twins. They're Arwen's brothers, and they get sent out by Elrond to scout ahead in front of the Fellowship. And actually, 
if memory serves, they they join Aragorn and friends on the, <laughs> in the, on the in the paths of the dead. They they are in that scene. Oh uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, because it's because okay. Again, so it's been a long time since I read the book. I do remember, and I'm not sure if I am actually recalling it correctly, but the way, I, for films, did an amazing job in so many ways of bringing to life the things you'd read in the in the books, right? And for something which is so visually rich as that book is, I always thought it was pretty amazing how they translated it because every person's going to have a slightly different view or, or even yeah. a very different view of what these things look like. And I think that generally they got things absolutely spot on. Or not, It's not even a right or wrong thing, just so yeah. it happened to really chime with how I thought of things. One thing, and I think because it is a bit of an abstract bit of a book, that Paths of the Dead bit, I really saw as quite different as to what we saw in, in the film. Mm-hmm. If I, But I might be remembering wrong. I seem to remember it might, like there's like a... Wasn't there like a valley or something? And there was strange dwellings on hillsides and things like this. I might be, this is the image in my head, but I might be remembering it completely incorrectly. And the people who went on, it, yeah, like you say, well, there was a number a number of people. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, the twins, they go. They And I'm just reading Eladan's card now whilst you're talking. And there is actually a quote at the bottom of it. And it says, yes. The dead ride behind. Bit of a strange quote, but I think it does back. <laughs> it does back. But up. Then Elrahir's quote is, "We will not turn back." Mm. So, so the dead ride behind. We will not turn back. I mean, you know, <laughs> why not? Well, the dead are back there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good enough reason as any. <laughs> so yeah, I think so. But so these are the twins now. We'll go back to the cards in a, in a second, but I, I remember because I didn't get these APs at the time of read, so I already had them on the shelf. So I remember opening up that first AP, seeing Elra here and reading while Eladan is in play, Elra here gets plus two defense and then immediately went and opened the next AP because it, I can only imagine what it must have been like to be buying these APs at the point of release and opening a brand new deck to receive a hero, which essentially is well i wouldn't say unplayable on his own but you wouldn't play him that's pretty much the definition of unplayable (laughs) (laughs) well wouldn't and can't as two slightly different absolutely he has has got a response though no yeah no he does have the response he has the response like we said that that says uh after elra here is declared as defender pay one resource from his resource pool to ready him but he only has defense of one until yeah. Eladan is in play. Exactly. So let's just jump to Eladan, shall we? So Eladan, he... So just to compare his stats with Elro here, he also has a starting cost of 10. He also has willpower of 2. He hits for 1, whilst Elro here hits for 2, and he defends for 2, whilst Elro here defends for 1, and he has 4 hit points. So you can see that they sort of... They, they complement each other in that respect. So one is, one is a heavy defender, and one is a... Well, a heavier hitter. Um, so Eldan is also Noldor, Noble, and a ranger. And it says, while Elro here is in play, Eldan gets plus two attack. And then it's the same response. Response, after Eldan is declared an attacker, 
pay one resource from his resource pool to ready him. So it's very easy to see that you do want both of these guys on the table at once. And when you do, it pushes their weaker statistic to become their highest statistic. So whilst Elroy here has defense of one, normally he'll get defense of three when Aladan is in play. And whilst Aladan has attack of one, he'll get attack of three. Whilst Elroy here is in play. Everyone's still with me. <laughs> yeah. And with their response, you know, some pretty useful stuff here. So after Eladan is declared an attacker, pay res- one resource from his resource pool to ready him. So if Elroy here is in play as well, yeah. you've got this guy can attack for free on multiple occasions if you want to spend a resource to have the extra attack, basically. And same for Elroy here in defending. Yeah, absolutely. I, we did, or rather, I, I did uh, neglect to mention what spheres they're from. So Elro here, who is potentially your defender, is in leadership. And Eladan, who is potentially your attacker, it comes as no surprise, is in tactics. Um, so actually, they really fall into their sort of into the spheres that you'd expect them to. Uh, one thing which is interesting to note, which I've only tried once or twice, is. They have to be in play, but they don't have to be both controlled by the same player. So, oh yeah, good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that is a good way of doing it. If you don't want to build a tactics and leadership deck, you can just divide those uh, those heroes amongst the, the different players, and they'll both still boost each other. Yeah, really good point. I hadn't thought of that actually. I, I did try this combination. A couple of times, but I can't say I've really dived into it a lot. I think, to be honest with you, I think I've, I've, I've maybe only played one or two quests using both of these guys in my in my deck. But as ever, once you see them, when you, when you look at it, you kind of think, "Oh yeah, I thought of some ways to <laughs> to use these guys." Yeah, I mean, if you can get Steward of Gondor on Elra here, yeah, for instance, exactly. you know, then you could essentially just with all those resources just keep defending with him. I mean, the defense of three with four hit points is pretty tasty. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And he's not, you know, and he's decent, half-decent attacker as well. So after all your defending's done, you can still ready him with using a resource and using two attack. The two, you know, it's uh, not a, nothing shoddy. Yeah, very good. So, yeah, you know, yeah, he's very flexible, I think, Elra here. Uh, especially, yeah, if you can get the steward of Gondor involved, that's, you know, you're laughing, aren't you? Yeah, and not too expensive to start as well, 10. It's not mega cheap in terms of uh, sort of starting threat, but uh, but it's definitely, oh, for you, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> well, well, funny you say that, because, uh, well, we, we shall come to it shortly. Okay. But yes, yeah, you're right, yeah. You, uh... Okay, well, yeah, so, well, that's already two out of the way. But, uh, I mean... It, it does strike me strange. I don't know what the time gap was between the release of the first two APs from this cycle, but I think it's a pretty brave move on behalf of Fantasy Flight to just to put a card in, which, I mean, obviously it spoiled what the next hero was going to be. I mean, imagine if they didn't put it as the very next hero. <laughs> they could have put it... Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the sixth cycle. <laughs> two and a half years down the line, yeah. But uh, yeah. but luckily, like it's like I say, if you already have those APs on the shelf, then you want to definitely 
if you want to use these guys, you definitely want to just open them up both straight away and get them both out. There's no, I, I see very little point in playing them individually. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, you you might find some use out of a, for response, but yeah, like you say, just not having that extra two on the stats, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And then they become a bit expensive, actually. I think that's true. Yeah, that's true as well. And I think maybe, maybe that's why they, I mean, not to put words into your mouth, but maybe that's why they don't see much play for you in the past is because if you're playing just solo, then that's two of your hero slots taken up. You're kind of then stuck with leadership and tactics, which is not the most uh, elegant of uh, of dual spheres. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. Don't get me wrong, but uh, and then also maybe go for a trisphere. There's definitely many, many more options for using trispheres. Uh, um, well, actually, I think coming up <laughs> with some of the heroes, yep, in this totally. cycle. So uh, maybe we'll circle back to that uh, to that point. We shall. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to move on to the next one? I kind of hijacked the first two. We're motoring along. Okay. So the next one. Is well, this is the first time we see a hero repeated, ah, and it is Aragorn. This time he's not not in leadership; he's in law. He's gone to law school, <laughs> and his stats are so still very expensive. So he's got a starting threat cost of twelve. He quests for two. He hits for three. He defends for two, and he's got five hit points. So some pretty meaty. Stats. Now, are those stats, apart from his threat cost, are they the same as his original? Because I think... I, I think the threat cost is the same. Oh, okay. As well. In fact, I've got them right here. Because uh, it makes sense. It, it would be. It, I think it would be very strange to have a repeated hero that, for some reason, in a different sphere, could hit for more, for instance, or defend for more. I, I think that happens eventually. Ooh. Interesting. To be discussed. Or uh, might be getting it... Yeah, to be discussed, to be discussed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my memory's like. Okay, so yeah, so Aragorn, so who is the very first hero you see in the, in the core set, has exactly the same. So he starts with 12, 2, 3, 2, and 5 hit points. Okay. Now, the original card, which is a leadership card, has got traits of Dunedain, Noble, and Ranger. This Aragorn we see here is Dunedain, and ranger not so noble anymore he's not noble well i think this is really probably strider strider rather than aragorn right? strider strider <laughs> what an them ranger folk yeah but <laughs> judging by the artwork which by the way i absolutely adore uh, yeah. yeah this is this is strider this is this is the aragorn that we meet in the uh the prancing, in the prancing pony. pony isn't it that's, that's where he is right now keeping an eye out on the yeah. hobbit's messing yeah. around. Looks like he's got himself a pint. <laughs> it comes in pints. <laughs> Just like honey. Um, he's a Dunedine ranger. And he has Sentinel. And he has a refresh action, which is reduce your threat to your starting threat level. Limit once per game. Now you can imagine this one reminds me a little bit of the uh, the Boromir bomb, but for 
<laughs> but for your threat level. So, if, yeah. I mean, how hugely useful is that when you think about it? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, you can be up 49 threat, everything's against you, da, da, da. everyone's engaging you every time, and suddenly you drop back down to, well, you drop down to about 27, I drop down to about 41. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but that that's what's one of those that limit once per game you do yeah. it once yeah reduces everything not everything just your threat obviously <laughs> <laughs> reduce it all of the threat you've gained so far back to the original so yeah you can straight so you straight away you see how useful that one is no i love this because aragorn his stats are really strong just just yeah. as a card as a hero He's great without any sort of action whatsoever. So the fact that he doesn't really have an action here apart from this one bomb, as you call it, um, is, is <laughs> it's, for me, it's it's perfect. It's fantastic. Um, I find this Aragorn... Um, I, I really like the Aragorn from the core set, but I find this Aragorn just, just wipes him out. Just... What can the first Aragorn do? Is he You pay your resource to... Uh, you refresh pay, him after you, questing. You something. pay a resource to refresh him. Yeah, is that right? After I don't know. Yeah, I should just kept yeah. it out. <laughs> keep keep it out. Um, response. Oh, he's got Sentinel too. Okay. Yeah. So response after Aragorn commits to a quest. Yeah. Okay. Spend one resource from his resource pool to ready him. Yeah. Okay. That was Which it. is good. But I think we have so many other ways to ready heroes at, at this stage that this Aragorn is... I, I just love this Aragorn, all right? Yeah, I know, I know. I was going to say, yeah, you're right. I think the first Aragorn is really useful for those first quests. Absolutely. Before you've got all those cards and, you know, all the way through, well, all the way up to this point in the game, I'd say, probably. But we're getting to that point now where, yeah, you do start... Well, we've seen some already. Uh, there are even a couple in the core set, I guess, things like Unexpected Courage. But, yeah, it gets to the point now where, yeah, you're right, there are so many other ways to do it. Of course, it could depend on the sphere you want to play as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So so, he is a, so this Aragorn is a lore Aragorn. Yeah, like you, I find him a pretty useful guy to use. Again, for those quests where you know your threat's going to be a real, mm-hmm. well threat <laughs> you're, you're winning <laughs> obviously he's a strong contender to include yeah fantastic and uh i just can't get over the artwork i'm just looking at it i'm trying to listen to you but i'm just looking at this artwork is it's, it's just who who is this one by let's have a look this is by tony foti tony foti well done. <laughs> that was a fantastic name. Well done, Tony Foti. He has done the business here. So, Tony, what's Tony's capture? For me, this says, like, some of the strongest memory and imagery I got from Lord of the Rings was that kind of autumnal mm-hmm. feel. Well, you know, that, that period of autumn, which we're almost at now here, actually, is that when there's, there's almost like a little bit of magic in the air. The summer's gone. Yeah. It's before winter's really started. Everything's turning and changing. And those lovely autumnal colours, the browns and the deep greens and all of this. And also, imagine being in that part of the year, but you're sitting in the pub. I was going to say. Next to the fire. It's all about being in the pub, isn't it? And it's, Yeah, and, it's, and you've got a nice brew. If he's got, has he got a couple of brews on the go? He's got a, he's got a hot drink on the go that's, and a pint ready for it. No, that's his pipe, surely. Isn't it? 
Well, what's that long? Is that the pipe? That's the pipe. That's a big pipe. He's a big man. <laughs> well, hold on. But that thing's not going into his mouth. Okay, maybe he's not puffing it at that very moment. But it's quite bendy. It is a, isn't be- it? It's a bent spout, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. It is a pub. A pub. <laughs> you're right. It's- a pipe. You've got, you've got pubs on the brain, you know? It's definitely a pub. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Confirmed it's a pub. <laughs> yeah. He's not drinking a, you know, an espresso before he has his beer. Okay, I like this even more now. Yes. Is, is, these are only days before the smoking ban. Obviously, yeah. He's allowed yeah. to smoke it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Excuse me, sir, you're not allowed to smoke in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well done. Tony Foti. Tony Foti. Yeah, love it. Okay, so that's Aragorn, and I, how did you feel when you were opening up these packs? And really, relatively close to the start of the game, we were already getting repeats of heroes. I well, because I wasn't expecting it at all. I, I in no way felt oh they're going over old ground already. I actually just thought, oh okay, I see how this works. You get the characters at different points maybe in their lives with different slightly different traits and can do different things and I, I kind of really loved that idea straight away actually. Yeah. Um so I thought that was really quite exciting to see. And I've, and it did get me thinking, well how, what what are you gonna do with some of the other characters as well? Will we see them get uh, you know sort of remade yeah in the future. Yeah. Um so yeah that was my view. And also don't forget you know I had no experience of playing similar card games to, to this so i don't know if there's some kind of norm to this kind of thing out there in the card game world but uh yeah i thought it was cool i mean i don't know what did you think no i i agree i mean i was very excited to see it because like exactly what you just said is that we have these defined spheres which you know you, you like tactics is very obviously the attacking sphere and law is is it's the knowledge, the, the sphere of knowledge. And, and like you say, the, a lot of these characters fall into these different well, spheres of influence. So it was very interesting to see like exactly what you said. Okay, yeah, so we are going to get probably a tactics uh, Aragon at some point as well, perhaps. And, um, you know, we, they aren't going to be just uh, pigeonholed into that this is their sphere of influence. But bear in mind, uh, and obviously you were in the same situation, I came into this game quite late where there were already tons and tons and tons of APs released. So when I saw Aragorn again, it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, that's a bit cheap. I'm already seeing a repeat of a hero because I knew I had 20, 30 more heroes to come my way (laughs) just by opening up some more boxes. So again, I have no idea what the... um, sort of thoughts of what people would have been like if they were buying these things at the point of release because maybe they they would feel a bit cheated because this is only our uh, just off the top of my head roughly 15th yeah i mean yeah it was 15th 15th really that's impressive. If, if, I, if I just pluck that number that's I, I Oh no, hold on, you get loads oh. more in the core set. You get 12 in the core set. Don't you? Do you get twelve? Get twelve. You get three, three from each sphere. Oh, you're absolutely right. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah. So that's twelve. Twelve. And then plus another six. six. So that's eighteen. Plus your three. Plus twenty-one. No, uh, plus two from the. 
Oh, is there only two in there? Two in Casa Doom. There's 22. So it's 25th. It's your 25th hero. Okay. So actually, it's, <laughs> that's not if, that bad. No, if you, put it, if, if, you, if you put it like that, <laughs> then people had no right to complain. That's yeah. <laughs> Get a grip. <laughs> One every 25? That's yeah. not that bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, if you think about it from the game perspective, because obviously they're unique, the heroes. Yeah. All it means is you can't play this Aragorn with the other Aragorn. But, you know, from a game perspective, it's a different hero. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool. Yeah, I thought it was very cool as well. Alrighty. So, that was Aragorn. And then, next up, we got a tactics hero. And this is Hammer. Hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> it is hammer time. Um, and as I say, he's a tactics hero, and he has a starting threat of nine. He has willpower for one. He hits for three. Yep, we're definitely in tactics. Um, he has defense of one and four hit points. He is a Rohan warrior, and it is nice to see Rohan getting a bit of tactics love here because you know Rohan was very much in the spirit sphere in the previous cycle. And of course, you know, the Rohirrim, they know how to uh, put up a fight. So Very tough. Yeah. So it was very uh, welcoming to see a, a tactics hero in Rohan here. So, and he has a response. And it says After Hammer is declared an attacker, return a tactics event from your discard pile to your hand, and then choose and discard one card from your hand. Limit three times per game for the group. Ah. Now, this card was errated. This is the errated version. The The errata was they added that limit three times per game for the group. What was it before? It just wasn't there. Oh, there was no limit? No. So basically, it stands to reason why they did it, because it's keep doing the same card very, over. very easy to get into a, right. like a, like a, a, a hammer loop. <laughs> No, for, for instance, if you had if you had uh, a feint, let's say you used a feint to stop an, an enemy attacking, that goes to your discard pile. You could then declare hammer the attacker, and then you could Get return feint that feint back, back yeah. to your hand, and then you could just keep on going. And then that um, yeah, you never get attacked. That you'll never get. To- In fact, what's the? There's one where it stops all of them. Stops all, yeah. What's that? It's the it's it's the one which has the crazy. Um, it costs three though to play, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, but it costs three. But you have to use a resource from every hero or something, which makes yeah, it almost right. impossible to play. You have to have a full. Yeah, that was the one I did loads of cheating on. <laughs> <the first> cheating. <laughs> but then, yeah. So as you can see, that so <laughs> it, now I do also remember when this was errated. I think Caleb Grace stated that he felt it needed a rattering, if that's a word. Um, but he felt, the same as I did, that it's a little, for want of a better word, clunky how it's done. It's not elegant that it's three times per a game for the group. Because three times per a game, we don't have any way of sort of marking that. So you have to kind of remember how many times it's been done. I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, what what I would do is put like, maybe put a, 
put a progress token on him or something. But so, it, oh, oh, you mean just to measure how many, yeah. how many times? Yeah, 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 yeah for, for sure. And yeah, it's, I think be... I think this is the only hero or the only card which has this sort of. It's not elegant that it was, and 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 the game designers admitted that it wasn't elegant. But I think they probably went round in circles trying to find the best way of doing it because you don't want to limit it limit it once per a. Limiting it once per round wouldn't do any good because you'd just still keep the loops going. Limiting yeah. it once per a game is too limited. So there's something I don't get about this. Why does it say limit three times per game for the group? Because it says after Hammer is declared an attacker, return a tactics event from your discard pile to your hand. Then choose and discard one card from your hand. When would it ever be able to be played on your part? You know, what's it got to do with a group? Limit. Is it just, shouldn't it just say limit three times per game? Limit three times per game for the group. The group being all the players. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, because you can't have more than one copy of it, can you? So no. It's a, it's a very good question, which I have no answer for. Yeah. It should be just limit. Yeah. Why would it Three say that? Three times per game. Yeah. Maybe one of our listeners can <laughs> yeah. answer this riddle. <laughs> What's in my We pocket? do love a riddle. <laughs> okay. Um, but he he's good. Uh, I mean, actually, I haven't played him that often. I think I tested him when, when I first saw him and went, oh, yeah, that's quite fun. And I think maybe I kind of got caught up in... The all the tales of the errata and how th- this card has been completely <laughs> tales of the errata. Tolkien's tales of the errata. It's a massive volume. <laughs> um, and and how the how this card had been sort of um, too heavily. Modified, modified. <laughs> it's like too heavily errata. Errata too heavily. Like they're just, just. It went from being an extremely powerful card to something that's fairly useful. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. and then you sort of go, oh, I kind of wish I could play it when it was super powerful. But then, I, you know, it's it's for me, it's not fun to play sort of what in in card games we'd call like sort of infinite loops. You know, where you can just uh, keep repeating the same thing over and over again until you win the game. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you won. Well done. But yeah, it's a big, big deal. Yeah. To me, that's not enjoyable. I mean, sometimes it's fun to get these combos going if you really get like a series of cards that, that really bounce off each other. And if you can do that a couple of times, yeah, sure, I get that. Like, But when it's an, kind of an easy win like this, oh, I just bounce faint backwards and forwards from my discard pile by using hammer. To me, that's just a bit, yeah. bit dull. But actually, I also think three times per game, is pretty useful. It's still you... pretty good, actually. Yeah. Because I was just thinking then, I was wondering, I wonder if they could have done something like you can't use it two rounds in a row or something like this. But actually, yeah, three times is that sounds fairly sensible, actually. Because it is a, that is a useful mm-hmm. ability. Yeah. I've but... got to admit, I've played Hammer like once ever, I think. So I can't really speak from, you know, I think so. Eladan, Elra here, and Hammer, I've played probably in a combined total of three quests or something <laughs> but i'm just thinking but i am thinking about some other quests now which are quite fighty yeah 
thinking it could be useful, you know. Well, I'm thinking, like, let's just look at, I mean, as there are plenty of tactics events, of course, which would be useful to play more than once. But let's say you are just looking at the sort of the faint option because that's the one which just sort of jumps into mind. If you've got a really nasty sort of, I don't know, a troll or something which is engaged with you and it's going to cause you cause you trouble and you can faint it once and then you just use your three hammer hammer attacks <laughs> that doesn't sound good <laughs> um to get that faint out those three rounds of stopping that troll attacking should more often than not be enough for you to be able to take it out without it completely decimating your rank so yeah yeah i i like him i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna revisit hammer Yes, <laughs> like we always do after we review these heroes. <laughs> it is time for Hammer Time. Yes. <laughs> or you could just say it's Hammer Time, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's pronounced... Now, the A has a, an accent over it. So mm-hmm. if it's like Hammer or Hammer. H- Hammer, Hammer or something. I think it's Hammer. Hammer. Uh, Hammer, Hammer, Hammer. He is in the films, isn't he? He's the very rotund Rohirrim. Um, Rotundarim. Which one? <laughs> which one? Oh, I've already described him. <laughs> he, has a, he has a beard. <laughs> and rides a horse. Does that long hair. I can't remember him in the film. Um, I see the guy who goes, upon order of... Yes, 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 and he then, does. And he, then looks, he, he very, get... looks down and disappointed with a massive delay. <laughs> and it's Grima Worm Tongue. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> is that is that a hammer? Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say, by order of the king, you must, like, the um, the women and children have to leave. He's the one who goes and tells the villagers they have to leave. And he goes, oh, pack, up, pack up your troubles. Pack up your wagons. <laughs> we're off. We're off. Women and children. One of them, okay, I'm getting my Rohirrim mixed up now. One of them, oh, is he the guy who gets taken out in a wag attack? Potentially. Okay, we had this conversation before about what do you call the guy who looks after the king? Is this a joke? The- <laughs> oh, not him again. <laughs> no, but right. that, no, but that's, hold on, um, hold on, hold on. that's gambling, isn't it? No, gambling's the one later, because there's one of them, the guy who goes on order of... Yeah, that's Hammer. Cream of worm tongue. That's it. But then he gets taken out by the wags because later on, yeah. it's the other guy who's slightly thinner than him, or yeah. is thinner than yeah. him, is taller, also got a beard and long hair. And rides a horse. And rides a horse. And he's putting on the king's armor for him. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. Who am I, Gambling? You know, oh, all that. I love it. our king, sire. It's that guy. Yeah. That's not Hammer. If Hammer's the other guy, because that guy's got taken out, that's Gambling. That's Gambling. That's gambling. So that yeah. one's gambling. The rotund one is Hammer, and Hammer got taken out by the Wargs in the yeah, film. in the film. I, I can't remember I, what happened to him in the book. No, I think he dies in the book at Helm's Deep. But, you know, that's that's an easy thing for me to say, isn't it? When, when did this... It's only ro- an extra day. Yeah, when did this Rohirrim <laughs> die? I don't know, Helm's Deep? Uh, <laughs> Pretty safe bet. Pretty safe bet. <laughs> yeah, hedging your bets, sir. <laughs> Um, um say poor hammer poor hammer poor hammer but yeah this artwork is he looks a lot more of a sort of heroic fighter in this than unless i'm completely mixing up the guy from the film but i think 
uh, hammer in the, in the film is rotund with a beard <laughs> okay, by order of the guy, king by order of the king eat this cake he's a <laughs> hammer is not rotund now, like you said it's very heroic he's got some is that braided hair behind his ear oh yeah notice that for the first time nice yeah. touch nice touch he's done this oh look who it is look who it is everybody it's madame vilner oh a favorite of this podcast <laughs> very much very much so um but yeah more fantastic work from her she's very good isn't she she's very good what is that there's like a little splash of blood or something yeah. is that on just on on the camera lens <laughs> in fact i think he's just maybe he's just cut through something because there's that there's a little bit if you look to the right next to his head there's some there and if you look oh, on yeah. his chest as on well, his not his chest. chest, on his belly, just underneath, yeah. there's some there. I wonder whether that's blood flying through the I think air at that instant he struck. He's just taken something out right there. Yeah, like standing right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. But yeah, I am going to play Hammer. I think there's definitely some interesting decks that we can make with this guy. Okay. 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 You, you do that. <laughs> I'm making no promises after all the promises I've made in the previous episodes. There have been some when I've gone back and revisited, but I've said that. The amount of times I've said that, I've probably gone back and actually done it maybe like 50% of the time. So. No, but I think, wouldn't it be... Because, like I said before, all the Rohan cards that we discussed from the last cycle are all yeah. spirits. So if we can make a, spirit. make a spirit and tactics deck, but still a Rohan based with... with... That's true. Because most of those spirit cards affect Rohan characters, don't exactly, they? Which would obviously yeah. still include him. So, yeah. yeah. And I did greatly enjoy using that Rohan oh, deck. Yeah. That was real fun. Yeah, that was great. So, you know, as we know, spirit is not that great for sort of attacking, but it is terrific for questing. So I think that could be a great combination. I mean, I don't know who who all the heroes will be. I mean, obviously, you're going you're gonna to take Eowyn, aren't you? You you don't you don't make a uh, a spirit deck, especially a Rohan one, without Eowyn. She's just a no-brainer, isn't she? That's a bit rude. <laughs> <laughs> you just quest. Don't think about anything else. <laughs> then you got what was it? Dunhir and Fairdred. Oh and yeah. The others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm Dunhir's a Dunhir's favorite great. of mine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, maybe Rohan's coming back. All right. Well, okay. Yeah, so that's Hammer. Do you want to do the next one? Yeah. So now we're coming to say the two heroes left are possibly my two favorites that we've seen so far. I was wondering when we were going to get to your favorites because yeah. so so far you've told me you've not really played any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Severely biased to these things. Okay. So the next one released is another one we've seen before. Ah, uh, yes. And it's Glorfindel. This time he was a it was law before, yeah. but this is for spirit version. And yeah, I mean this guy, unbelievable. He has a starting threat of five, a mere five. Oh yeah, so cheapy cheap. Yeah, but this is this is the thing, isn't it? Because Glorfindel from the core set had the most ridiculously high starting threat. He was twelve. Oh, so difference of seven. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, I don't know because I because I just I, I got made sure I got the other glow girl. <laughs> I've got it in front of me. There's oh, no okay. way I can remember. 
Now, the rest of their stats are the same. So he quests for three, he attacks for three, defends only for one, but has five hit points. So apart from the shield, that is some meaty stats again here. Very <sighs> powerful. For the cost of five, that's the lowest starting threat, I think, of any hero we've had so far. I think so. And he has the same traits as the other Glorfindel, his Noldor noble warrior. Uh, what the other Glorfindel did was you could pay a resource from his pool to heal a damage on any character once around. That was, yeah. So he doesn't have that anymore, but what he does have, forced, after Glorfindel exhausts to commit to a quest, raise your threat by one. Ah. So with one hand giveth, with the other taketh away. So is that an expression, don't I? Uh, and so... <laughs> So you can see straight, okay, so he's got five threat. You quest this guy, you know, seven times, and that's back to what he would have been to start. So actually, seven, that's quite a lot of rounds, you know. To, But he does quest for three. So you think, you know, that's a lot to be losing out on yeah. one of your heroes. Yeah. He does hit for three as well. However, there are some other cards which come later in the cycle as well, which combine... Well, well, say later. Actually, I it, think it, it, I think that the card you're thinking of comes in this set. It, pro- it probably does. Do you want to jump to it? I know we wouldn't normally do this because we would talk about the uh, the other cards later. But I think there is a card which basically goes hand in hand with this Glorfindel, and I think it would be yeah. silly to not mention it. Okay, and we will cover this one again. Yeah, but so we we'll just mention it quickly. So the one I'm thinking of is a spirit card called Light of Valinor, which costs one. By the way, there is yet another card, which is amazing for this guy too, but Light of Valinor costs one, and it's a condition attachment, which says, attached to a Noldor or Sylvan hero, Glorfindel's Noldor, and it says, attached hero does not exhaust to commit to a quest. Yeah. Um, obviously, Glorfindel has his force effect to exhaust. When he exhausts to commit to a quest, raise your threat by one. And it suddenly disappears if you have Light of Valinor yeah. play for only a cost of one. It's perfect. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, if you're going to play Glorfindel, you need to play playing Light of Valinor. And what I tend to do when I play these guys is I put, I think Light of Valinor is unique as well, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 So you can't have one on one here and one on yeah. another. Yeah. But I do tend to put three of them in a deck because it is a vital card if you want to play the Glorfindel, I think. And if you put three in your deck, chances are you'll get it in your starting hand. And if you don't, you'll get it in your mulliganed starting hand. And if you don't then, then you're just unlucky. But chances are you will. And then Glorfindel is just an absolute beast because he's basically committing three willpower to the quest every single round without exhausting. And therefore, and his forced effect doesn't apply, of course. Yeah. And it's not just for that reason. It's not just because he has a low cost and you can use the Light of Valinor. It's, his stats are obviously They're great. insane. It's, it's and, crazy. And just to have that starting threat leads very nicely into something we're going to come across very shortly in this in this episode as well. Oh, you little tease. <laughs> oh, little tease. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's amazing. He's, I, and I think... Suddenly, I mean, because Glorfindel is a great character. I mean, he's he's slay, Slayer Balrog, didn't he? I think in the, like in history, Glorfindel was uh, he was one of the few elves to to face a Balrog and defeat it. Exactly. I mean, he, uh, Gandalf. 
Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. yeah. Gandalf got killed dead. Yeah, he had to go through. <laughs> he fell through fire and death. Glorfindel, didn't he? Just took him out. Took him out. Easy, <laughs> easy. No, but I think because Glorfindel is such a great hero from the books. And yeah, I think his initial corset card did not do him justice. And of course, it, it didn't get played enough. Because it was such a high starting threat with not a particularly great effect. I mean, you, the effect on this Glorfindel is actually worse. It's a negative effect. But um, as we've just discussed, there's a very, very simple way of getting around that. Is he overpowered with Light of Valinor? Maybe. But I love him. Well, I've got to admit, I always struggle with a whole thing of overpowered generally. I'm not quite. It doesn't really chime with me as a concept because it's because it's like I've not come across anything which think. Oh, you you do this and that, and therefore you win the game. No, absolutely. The quests are so varied, yeah, and there's so many variables within them anyway. Plus, it's what you'd enjoy doing as well. Uh, like you said earlier, you know, if, if for example, hammer, you could maybe oh, there's a couple of quests there which you could just do that thing on repeat and, and win it. I don't think I've really come across that at all in this game. But that might just be me being a bit thick <laughs> and not realising. No, 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 there's very few things in this game which you can just do to win. Yeah. Mostly you'll do things and lose. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, no, but even if he is overpowered, I don't care. I love him. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's yeah. one of my absolute faves. Insanely useful card. So... That leads us on to the last hero, which is another. It's another. It's another big guy. Here he is at last. <laughs> so we have got the father of the twins, the father of Arwen. It is Elrond himself, and he is a law hero. And he has a. Oh, in stark contrast, he has a starting threat of thirteen. Mahusif. This is the biggest <laughs> one we've seen so far, right? <laughs> yeah, it must be. It has to be. So what do we get for that high cost? We get willpower of three. He hits for two. He defends for three. And he has four hit points. Okay, so you are getting quite some stats there for that cost. He is Noldor, of course, and Noble. And he has the following effect. It says, you may spend resources from Elrond's resource pool to pay for spirit, leadership, and tactics allies. So that in itself is already pretty tasty. So obviously Elrond himself is law. So with his resources, you can use those resources to pay for any allies basically in the game. Um, and he also has a response. It says response. After a character is healed by another card effect, heal one damage on it. So yeah, so basically what that means is if, if, you, if you heal one damage by playing an event with... Elrond's response, you can then take another damage off of that character. Um, yeah. Expensive, but oh. insanely useful. Going back to what I said at the beginning when we started talking about his sons, about potentially putting a Trisphere deck together with these cards. I mean, this this is your linchpin right here. If you, you have Elrond there, and then if you have one leadership hero to allow yourself to pay for Steward of Gondor, get Steward of Gondor onto Elrond... Okay, it's mucking up the mythology a little bit, but a rich Elrond paying for all your allies is a welcome sight. Oh, yeah. 
There are other ways to get resource, which we're about to come to as well. But yeah, this guy is... So like I said, Glorfindel and Elrond are possibly my two favourite heroes we've come across so far. I mean, he's so immensely powerful and is about to get more powerful in a second as well. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, this guy can pay for allies from any sphere. Yeah, Just that is amazing. But his response is incredible. After a character is healed by another card effect, heal one damage on it. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's that's terrific. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Elrond is, yeah, it just, yeah. And like like, like I say, he's, he's about to get even better. <laughs> well, these are both Noldor characters and we're soon, we're soon to see cards which specifically target Noldor in this cycle. Uh, so to play Glorfindel and Elrond together, suddenly... Elrond's cost of 13 doesn't seem so bad anymore because you're only adding another 5 with Glorfindel. So it really balances itself out in that respect if you play these two together, which I don't think is that uncommon. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> that was... Is playing these two together and only these two together? Oh, you are a little tease today. Oh, uh, Yeah. We're almost at the point where I can talk about it. Okay, let's talk right. about it. What are you talking about? So those are all the heroes. Those Before are all you heroes. tell me what you're talking about, those are all the heroes. And it is an exciting and varied bunch. But what I do find is very interesting is there's not a dwarf in sight. True. Which is very interesting as we are still very much in that Dwarodov cycle, which is all about... Khazad-dûm and the mountains around that area and as you're well aware we have spent the time in the mines we've taken our dwarf decks through them and that will continue but the heroes that they supply with this cycle they sort of they, the dwarves are dropped yeah but um but I think we'll see that they don't turn their back on the dwarves completely when you start to see some of the player cards that we also get in the cycle but it is interesting what heroes they decided to release, you know, in these APs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what I found was it was around this time where the ways you could play the game, for me, really started to open up. So you've gone through the core set, you've been through an entire cycle, you've gone through the first deluxe. And actually, well, I say now, it's probably towards the end of this cycle, actually, yeah, yeah. where things really started to open up and because you have to get all of these cards, obviously. Yeah, so should we yeah. touch on the... Yeah, so we're also going to discuss the neutral cards that we get with this cycle. And I think... Should we just do... Because I think you've teased long enough, so we won't necessarily do it in order. Let's just jump to what you have been going on about so that we can put our listener <laughs> out of their misery. Okay, so there are four neutral cards you get in the cycle. One of them is resourceful, okay? And it costs four. And it's an attachment, so it's expensive. It says, secrecy three. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Then it says, attached to a hero you control. Attached hero collects one additional resource during the resource phase each round. So this is like a mini steward of Gondor. Yeah. But a very expensive but it costs one. four. Very expensive. Yeah. Very expensive. So what does secrecy three mean? Well, do you know what I've got here, John? an insert it's an insert sheet and it's from the first uh <laughs> the first ap in the cycle which is called red horn gate but we'll come on to that in a, in a future in fact yeah. maybe the next episode okay 
I won't read anything from this apart from a bit where it talks about secrecy. And it's very short, actually. And it says, secrecy X, in inverted commas, keyword. Secrecy X, the X obviously being the number. We saw in Resourceful, it said secrecy 3. It says, secrecy is a new keyword introduced on player cards in the Dwaradov cycle. Secrecy lowers the cost to play the card by the specified value, provided the threat of a player who is playing the card is 20 or below. Okay. Secrecy only applies when the card is played from hand and never modifies the printed cost of the card. Okay, so those that's more of the nuances of playing the game. But what, it, yeah. what, what it's really saying then is, so secrecy lowers the cost to play the card by the specified value provided for threat of a player who's playing the card is 20 or below. So... So resourceful costs four, unless your, because it's got a secrecy value. If your threat is twenty or less, then you can deduct whatever the secrecy is. So this says secrecy three. So if your threat is twenty or less, this will actually cost you one rather than four to play. Just the one, just the one, just the one, Mrs. Wembley. <laughs> so having a threat of twenty or less is that's quite tricky, right? It is for you. It is for me. Well, this is where my whole world turned around. Because what I started... Because I always loved the Galadrian's Greeting. Yeah. So I don't. I never minded starting with a threat high. But I always again got very wary about reducing it. So, mm-hmm. so I got to think, okay, so you've got three heroes out. How are you going to get that to anywhere where you kind of can manage... You've got to get a couple of those out early, I guess. And what else can you do? Or do you just pick very low threat heroes to start with and then i thought why not just play with two heroes yeah and this all feeds into what i was talking about earlier so elrond and glorfindel i'm sure other people have done this as well but elrond and glorfindel to me combined with secrecy so you have a starting threat of well what elrond's got 13 glorfindel's a five yeah so that's 18 so already you're below that threshold and you know that I'm not a big fighter, you know, generally speaking, when it comes to the game. You're a lover, not a fighter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so suddenly, this game kind of became about, can we control the threats? We'll we'll, we'll dive into what other, the other secrecy elements are as we go on through this cycle as well. Mm-hmm. But it's called secrecy. So why is it called secrecy? And this is where the theming comes in, because you're... Yeah. You're, you're tiptoeing around, you're using magic or stealth or whatever you're doing, and you're avoiding these confrontations because your threat's low, you're not engaging certain enemies. Exactly. You know, so it really opened up a different way to get through some of these quests and play the game, which I really, really enjoyed, actually. Yeah. And uh, this is probably where it really took my enjoyment of the game to the, you know, an, another level. But yeah, I guess we won't dive too much into the secrecy elements right now because you know, we will yeah. see them in a, a different quests. Yeah. But yeah, this was really a time where you could really see the, the whole different experiences you can have doing the same quest using different methods. Yeah, absolutely. much more. We saw it a bit before, but you see it even more so now. Yeah, uh, and it really appealed to me actually. So yeah, I've, I'm a big fan of um, the whole secrecy. Yeah, I mean, thing. The, the, we will discuss this more, of course, as we see more and more player cards. But I would say, so your theory is sound, of course. Elrond was dying for a thirteen, and Glorfindel were. Five means obviously your starting threat is 18. So you do kind of really want to see those 
secrecy cards in your starting hand because it's not going to take you long to get above 20 or have a way of reducing your threat, of course. Yeah. Um, well, I can talk... I mean, maybe towards the end of the cycle, I can talk about a specific deck which I'd put together for... Well, not a specific deck, variations on a theme, if you like, that really worked with these two. You would, you're going to hate it, John, because there was one deck I think had 85 cards in it. <laughs> Oh my god, that sounds amazing! Well, no, but well, perhaps, <laughs> well, perhaps we'll do, perhaps we'll do a uh, maybe like a secrecy special or something. We'll do something like that that we, we will yeah. discuss because um, I think it is a very interesting and, like I say, a different way of approaching the game, and it's a completely different way of looking at that. Like I say, it's like stealthily moving through. So, you'd, so rather than just high threat and therefore the eyes of the enemy are always on you, and therefore they're always engaging you. Doing it this way, you move through. Avoiding conflict, like you say. Um, one other thing that just sort of popped into my head, of course, is that doing again a two hero. Uh, what am I trying to say? Deck. A, yeah. So doing a. <laughs> so you could play Glorfindel and Aragorn, this new law Aragorn, and that would give you a starting threat of 17. I mean, I don't really know what other cards you'd be playing, but what that would allow you to do is if you're gathering secrecy cards throughout that. Once you wanted to play them all out, you could at that point lower your threat back down to 17 using Aragorn's ability. And then suddenly you'd be below 20 again to uh, to play out those secrecy cards. Yeah, totally. Yep. Oh, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll definitely do something on secrecy. It's fun. It's an interesting one. Um, okay, so that was... Resourceful. That, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just lost my cards hang on um okay and there is one other neutral card which also ties in directly with these heroes um should we jump to that one straight away yes please (laughs) (laughs) i love this card okay okay so this is vilia and it's a unique neutral attachment it is Sorry, I'm I'm having a little laugh to myself because um, someone wrote to us on the Board Game Geek forums saying that we often referred to the italicized words at the top of the uh, the cards as the sort of type of card. For instance, this is attachment and it's a ring, an artifact. And he quite correctly stated that actually in the in the rules that that classification is actually the trait. Okay, that's just how Fantasy Flight classify that thing. But I love the idea that the Vilia has the traits of a ring. <laughs> and the traits of an artifact. <laughs> it isn't an artifact. No. It's just a trait it's got. It has the tra- It is circular <laughs> with a hole in the middle, which has all the traits of a ring. <laughs> it's like Hammer has the trait of a Rohan. He's not Rohan. He isn't from Rohan. He's just got the traits of someone. He's got the beard. He's got the long hair. He's into yeah, rock music. Exactly. Um, no, but like I say, it's not. It's absolutely not wrong. That is indeed what they. The, these are the traits, and you see cards. We've seen. We see like Stuart of Gondor, for instance, gives the Gondor trait to whoever it is attached to. So it is referred to as traits, and we will try and do that going forward. But I do. 
<laughs> as I mentioned in the forums, I do think maybe their definition of the word trait is is sometimes a little bit pushed to the edge when it's uh, yeah <laughs> an item, for instance. All the traits That's of an my item. Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but I digress. So Vilia, it's a unique attachment, and it has all the traits of a ring and an artifact. Um, it costs two, and it states the following. Attached to Elrond. Aha, here we go. And he gains the spirit resource icon. Oh, so I know why you love this, because you love spirit. <laughs> I do, but that's not the main reason I love this. Okay, okay. That is one reason I love it. Okay, it has an action. Exhaust Elrond and Vilia to reveal the top card of your deck. You can immediately play or put into play the revealed card for no cost if able. Otherwise, move the revealed card to the bottom of your deck. Oh boy. It's a free card. It's wonderful. It's, it, it's amazing. And once you start combining it with other things... I was going to say... Honestly, oh, we're go- <laughs> We are being very teasy today, but yes. there are some, we know what cards are coming. I mean, the Drowndorf cycle of cards really... I mean, you've already said it. It really opens up the world of this game, of how you can play it. There are lots of different... Obviously, lots of different cards, but there are lots of different aspects of the game that get opened up. Lots of different ways of looking at your deck, looking at the encounters, like lots of playing cards from here, playing cards from there, and then suddenly you start to see many, many more combinations of cards that start working together. So, for instance, I think what we're alluding to here, and I was kind of gave it away there, that if you could manipulate what card is coming off the top of your deck, and then you exhaust Elrond Anvilia, and to bring those those uh, that card directly into play, it can be devastating. In a good way. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I love this card. I also love the artwork on this. I mean, Elrond's showing off his harpist skills here, I think. Yeah, he's he's making sure the ring is in sight, though. It's, 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 it's a little bit show-offy, isn't it? Just Don't like, do the picture from that side. Come over to my left side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, have you seen my ring? <laughs> <laughs> it's said, but no. Okay. Um, okay. Question about this card, just clarification. Mm -hmm. So it gives Elrond a spirit resource. So at this point, regardless of the action of Vilya, at this point, this means that Elrond can pay for allies from any sphere. Yes. And can also play attachments and events from the spirit sphere, as well as the law, which is his own sphere. Yeah. Okay. Part of the action, it says... Reveal the top card of the deck. You can immediately play or put into play the revealed card for no cost, if able. Otherwise, move a revealed card to the bottom of your deck. Now, what if that was, say, a tactics event? That's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. what this card lets you do is basically play... Send pretty much any card of any sphere, as long as it's you know, not, not an event which makes no sense or, or an yeah. attachment which you can't attach to somebody for some reason. Yeah. yeah, that's what it opens up. So, so using if you can get Vilya on Elrond, you can put in your deck 
Anything. Anything, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'd have to be a little bit wary that, of course, you have to be able to manipulate your own deck to really make it work because there's yeah. a chance that if, for instance, you've got, I don't know, tactic events and you don't have any tactics heroes or any way of paying for tactics events, no songs or anything like that, and they, you just happen to get them into your hand, then, uh, yeah, it's a little bit, uh, bit wasteful. It's the opposite yeah. of resourceful. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see why somebody with my mindset, you can end up with an 85 card. <laughs> it might have even been more, you know. It might have been in the 90s. I can't oh, remember. It's massive. I, I cannot <laughs> wait. That's amazing. The other thing... Oh, no. Okay, no. Let's, let's cross it when we come back because, yeah, I can bang on all day about this. Okay. So when we when I at the beginning, I was talking about some of my favourite, favourite cards you've seen so far. It's, yeah. Fairer ones is basically Glorfindel, Elrond, resourceful because it represents secrecy and is another way to get resource, which I like. Yeah, and Vilia. I think those four cards are very well spectacularly good, really for me. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. I'm just gonna jump back to resourceful, not for any other reason than to comment on the artwork, because I'm not. Maybe you can. You're you're an art lover. I mean, I, I like the artwork. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not too sure why it's resourceful. I mean, just to describe it, there's a, a man with a beard. It could be a dwarf. I think it probably is a dwarf. That's a dwarf, yeah. Um, and he's he's strung up, well, a, a rabbit or a or a hare, coney. perhaps. Could be could be a coney. <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh he's about to more well, gut it or skin it or something, or maybe cut it down, which is fine. You know, we've all got to eat. Well, he's being resourceful. He's found food in the forest. Found it. For them to eat, <laughs> yeah, found it strung up to a tree. Well, maybe he strung it up there so he can uh, gut it properly and let the blood drain out. Have you never gutted an animal before? <laughs> <laughs> you got to let that blood drain out before. It's not for the faint-hearted. No. You know, a dwarf could handle it, of course. A resourceful dwarf, especially. But yeah, that's what you do. It's like it sounds grim, and apologies to. Our our vegetarian or vegan listeners of which there might be more of after this but that's basically what you do you have to hang it you have to yeah. cut it and let it bleed out and yeah, yeah that's a traditional yeah. way to do it anyway so yeah resourceful <laughs> but i like it so basically this is the artwork's giving it to you straight here yeah yeah oh madame villeneuve again ah. she's done it again she's fantastic yeah yeah i mean well, I, yeah I'm... don't get me wrong i love the artwork <laughs> but i just need to explain to me <laughs> He doesn't look too fussed, does he? No, he does he, this all the time. he's done this a lot. <laughs> um, needs is needs must. Okay, so we have two more. <laughs> well, I think that, that naturally leads us to one of them, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, we have two more. Go, go ahead, jump to it. Jump well, to it! Come on, go ahead, jump to it. Good meal. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is our sort of card. I mean, I, I don't even know what the card is yet, but I know it's our sort of card. It's called a good meal, and I'm seeing bread and no. cheese. No, it's not. Oh. It's not called a good meal. It's called good meal. Ah, uh, yes. I knew you'd add an A to this, John. <laughs> I knew it. I can't help it, our listener. Good meal. <laughs> but it, is it a good meal? Let's have a look, shall we? What do you see on the table there, John? I see bread. I oh, see... Yes. Looks good. I see a sausage and... Yep. Some cheeses. The cheese of 
free. The, che- <laughs> <laughs> the cheese are free. Is that a bowl of soup? Bowl of soup. No spoon, though. That's and a gonna, pint. That's going to be awkward. And no egg. spoon. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, almost certainly a pint. <laughs> yeah, definitely a pint. Hey, look, th- I'm, this is this has just been served up, ready for people to come down for breakfast. There's no one in there. There's no one there. It's ready. They would not have left. Yeah, that's a full full plate of food. The only thing no. that looks like anything's been taken off is some of the bread. Yeah, but that's been put on the plates. I think. Ah, yes, you're right. And maybe they put half a loaf per table. Yeah, could be, could be. And only one pint and only one soup, but two plates of sausage and cheese. Uh, there could be another soup and another pint just off, off picture. True, true. Because there are two pints on the table in you know, behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, yeah. I, I'd go and have breakfast at this place. Uh, it, it's good meal. <laughs> <laughs> you can still say it's a good meal. <laughs> good meal. It costs, John, naught. Oh, my Yelp review would be good meal, free. There's no such thing as free good meal. (laughs) Cost of naught. Cost of naught. And it's attached to a Hobbit hero. (laughs) <laughs> what does it actually do what's it actually do <laughs> it's got an action discard good meal to, to lower the cost of the next event you play this round that matches attach hero sphere by two well for a short sentence there's a lot of information in there wasn't it yes let's just read that again let's go again Dis- so it's an attachment so you can discard this attachment to lower the cost of the next event you play this round. That matches the hero sphere. It doesn't really need to say that. By two. So basically, discard good meal, which is a free card, and you lower the cost I of an it, event by two. No, I think it does have to say the sphere, because it's to do with which character it's attached to. So... I see. Okay. Okay, yeah. so yes. So you can't have good meal on one. So you can't, one you hero, can't, give it to another. That's what that, that's why it says. Yeah. That. So so basically, okay. you, yeah, if, if, well, basically, we've got two Hobbit heroes, haven't we? At the moment, we've got Frodo and Bilbo, um, and Frodo is spirit, and Bilbo was law. So if you have it on Bilbo, you can discard it, and then the next law event, you can reduce its cost by two. Yeah. For instance, um, that's what a good meal does to a Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> now I absolutely love this card for one specific combo. Now I'm going to jump into it because it actually refers back to cards from the last cycle and if I was prepared I would have them at hand. (laughs) (laughs) But as I don't, I'm going to go by memory and let's see how we do. Um, Basically, if you can attach good meal to um, (laughs) if you can if you can attach good meal to Frodo, who is in the spirit uh, sphere, um, well, it does exactly what it says. You can then then discard it, and then the next spirit event would cost two less. Um, there is a spirit. <laughs> here we go. There is a spirit event 
stand and fight. Am I correct? Yes. Stand and fight allows you to take an ally out of your discard pile and put it into play paying the cost of that ally. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I that, think we correct. better we that's better correct. find the cost. Here it is. I've got it. Go, okay. Cost X. Cost of X. Here we go. Action. Choose an ally with a printed cost of X in any player's discard pile. Put that ally into play under your control. A chosen ally can belong to any sphere of influence. Ah, including Gandalf. No, let's not go down that route. Okay, but what is interesting about this, this is actually genuinely an absolutely brilliant combination because the cost of X on that spirit event is the X is the cost of the ally, which can belong to any sphere. A good meal reduces the cost of the event by two, which is a spirit event. Okay, so it doesn't matter if that ally is from tactics or from law or from leadership or from spirit. Its cost will cost two less because the cost you're paying is for that event card, not for the cost of the ally. Correct, yeah. So you can bring in potentially expensive dead allies from any sphere with a reduced cost of two. And it's surprisingly useful combo for the, this on Frodo. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> and it's good meal. <laughs> Hello, sir. Did you have good meal? <laughs> um, no, that's great. That's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You can totally see that. So, yeah, for these more expensive ones, get a discount of two from... Yeah, it's not to be balked at, is it? No, and, and, I mean, for a cost of naught, it's a great card anyway. But for using it with standard fight is really, really a nice combo. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I've not played enough with Hobbit heroes, generally. Well, we only have two at We've the We've only got two. We've only got two. I would say that... I did use Bilbo for a couple of specific quests. And I think I only used Frodo. So I've played with him a few times. I didn't play with Frodo that many times. Uh, I know that we've spoken about it before. You found some really good uses for Frodo yeah, for using yeah. that sort of increasing threat. Oh, he'd be a good one to have with Aragorn. Yep. Law Aragorn. Good with Aragorn and uh, Glorfindel. So you could potentially yeah. start with a lower starting threat. And then it doesn't matter how much threat you add on with uh, Frodo. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, he'd dovetail nicely with both Glorfindel and, and Aragorn. Okay. So, yeah, so that's good meal. That so, <laughs> that works. That works. So that's good meal. <laughs> <laughs> so we have one more event, also for a cost of naught. And it is called... The end comes. And it's got a picture of some dwarfs there. Oh, and it looks like there's a it looks like we're in a tomb. At a wake. Oh. Yeah. Kind of sad. It is a little bit sad. And the event has a response and it says this. After a dwarf character leaves play, 
shuffle the encounter discard pile back into the encounter deck. Stony, stony silence. I'm not sure I've ever played this, and I'm not sure it ever came into my head about the usefulness of this. Well, I think... I'm probably wrong. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is <laughs> I think this is possibly the worst card <laughs> to date. They've left it till the end. Left the best of worst. <laughs> the end. You, you comes... know there's gonna be people listening thinking these guys they haven't thought of this, they haven't thought of that. <laughs> oh no, well please enlighten us because oh, let's think it through. Okay. After a dwarf character leaves play, shuffle the encounter discard part. No, it's nonsense. It's a cost of naught, so that's so okay. It doesn't cost you anything apart from space in your deck. You know what? If you know that there are, you know, there are three or four things in the encounter deck which you just have to avoid, and you're three quarters away through, and the odds are you're getting one of those cards any second. I guess it could be useful at that point, could it? Are there any quests where you need to keep the encounter deck kind of? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I, try, I can't remember. No, maybe. Is... Go on. Maybe when we revisit these quests, there might be something we think that's useful. I'm just guessing here. Clutching <laughs> straws a little bit. Well, the only... Th- Let's say you're scrying the encounter deck and you see something awful. But it'd have to be really awful to go, right, well, I'm glad I got this card. And then, no, actually, but then you still need a dwarf character to leave. So it's not even (laughs) that you can see it coming and go, well, I better shuffle the deck then so I don't get this horrible troll. You have to then somehow get a dwarf character to leave. (laughs) And they're famously, they outstay their welcome. Is there a banishment event? This, know, yeah. No, this is I'm not sure. junk. Junk. <laughs> I quite like the quote on this one. Does it say never? Well, yeah, go on. You're probably the first person to read it. Go on. He is dead, Ben, said Friday. I feared it would say. <laughs> it's amazing how delivery can really change the. It brings, <laughs> it, brings it to life. <laughs> feared it would say. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stand and um, fight. No, but please, listener, if you have a use for this card, you are welcome to write in and let us know because we can normally find something, can't no, we? Um, you know, I'm usually the source of eternal optimism, right, for these things. I'm trying to find some kind of excuse or reason for anything. I'm struggling. I uh, came up with one. I did come up with one. But then how do you trigger it? You, yeah, you gotta get how do you trigger it? Well, you could sneak attack a dwarf in so it would leave at the end of the phase. This is a lot of work in order to reset your encounter deck. <laughs> well, how about this one? You're right at the end of the encounter deck, so you're in that lucky position where none of the enemies are going to get shadow cards. So you can do it then. And ensure that all the enemies do have shadow cards. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. The end comes. The end comes. I mean, 
I think the end comes for this surely line of thinking. It doesn't. I don't know. I, I, the only one I could think of was what I said earlier. If, well, if you think it, there's only really nasty stuff left there, I, I, but maybe there, maybe there is a. Maybe there is a, and it's, it is a way of manipulating the deck, right? The encounter well, deck. No, well, sort of resetting it. It's manipulating it's, yeah. it to the point that you are going to put everything back in a random order. <laughs> in a random order. <laughs> no, well, the only thing I can think of is that if you have a Scryder. Oh, oh, uh, what about? What about? Okay. If there is an objective, and it ends up getting used as a shadow or something. And it's just sitting in the discard pile. You're like, oh, god damn it. I've got to get through this whole encounter deck and then reset it and go through that until I get to that encounter. Maybe this is a way to get that back into play. Oh, then put Shadow of the Past in your deck. Don't put this in and have to lose a dwarf and then randomly put it, it costs, somewhere back into your <laughs> It costs your a dwarf. Deck. It costs a dwarf. It costs not. It, costs, it does cost it does a dwarf. dwarf. It does cost a dwarf. <laughs> It costs naught and a dwarf. <laughs> and but but you know, if you don't have a spirit deck. Why do you need a spirit deck? That's one potential way. Well, you you know what? Why, why, why do you need a spirit deck? To play um what was the one you said just now? Shadow of the Past. No, that's uh, that's neutral as well. Oh, is that a neutral card? You always think it's spirit. It's neutral. I do, I do always think it's spirit. Get it sorry. in your deck. It's, a, it's a massively underrated. Card. I thought you were say get it in your head. <laughs> get it in your head, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pull yourself together, it's neutral. God's sake, man. Shadow of a past. Okay, it's neutral. When did that one turn up? Um, that in I, the... It's in the first cycle. I actually think it's in the last AP of the first cycle. Shadow of yeah, you're right, here it is. Cost of two. Yeah, but this one costs a dwarf. Ah, oh, okay, so this one is move the top card of the encounter discard pile to the top of the encounter deck, okay. Yeah, so if you're worried about losing objectives, that's the card to have in your deck. Right, and you just got to make sure you use it at exactly the right time. Wait, when, well, well, yes. <laughs> but hold on, hold on. When you when you defeat an enemy... Yes. Do you remember on that one episode we spoke about the order in which they went back on the discard yeah, pile? Yeah, so... When you defeat an enemy, the enemy goes on to the discard, then the shadow. Then the shadow. Okay, yeah. fine. Hence shadow. Otherwise, shadow of past wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. We, had, we had that whole discussion about maybe that's why it's called shadow. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I do recall. I should have used that card. You should. It's great. It's completely underrated. <laughs> Unlike The End Comes, which is... Well, I don't know if it's underrated well, maybe or overrated. It maybe it is. It might it be is. underrated. Maybe it's massively underrated by I us. I don't think it's. I don't no. think we've overrated it. <laughs> I think we're pretty safe. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's uh, it's a pretty damp squib to uh, yeah <laughs> to, to end. That's up. why it's called the end comes. Yeah, that card, <laughs> the end of all things. Oh well, but we had some really, really excellent cards in that selection, and one yes. really, really terrible one. <laughs> I've got, I do uh, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it one positive spin, and that is the artwork is lovely, lovely dwarves. He's why this is for death. Do you know what this is about for death of innocence? Because the one lying down on the table is clearly Father Christmas. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, 
Father Christmas is dead. Yeah. They're holding a wake for him. So his innocence is being lost. That's why dwarfs are little people. This happens to you when you're young. Well, yes. I I think this is... They look like they're they're ready to fight. I don't think they're like just queuing for the buffet. No, no. They've all taken their last present from Santa Claus. This guy in the front, he was a good boy. He got a book and some bandages. The guy on right got a torch for Christmas. He's got a book. Okay, so, right. Hmm. Could this be... Could that be the book of Mazabul? Could this be the scene? Barlin's team. Yeah, and and now they're about to fight their way out. I'm trying to think of some sort of theme about... So the end comes, it's like, this is the last ditch attempt, and then a, a dwarf dies, and then... I mean, thematically, okay, it makes sense. A dwarf dies, and then all of these enemies swarm them because you're actually restocking the encounter deck. But... You still don't want it in your deck. So, yeah, you know. Eight out of ten for theme. <laughs> Nought for <laughs> the card itself. Okay. When Frodo says, he is dead then, I feared it was so. I guess he's talking about this when they come across Barnum's team. Must be. Yeah. Must be. And that's what this is about. I wonder if there is a quest in this cycle where this could be useful. But let's, when we play through it, it's better Let's than see mind. if we can find this, uh, find a use for it. Because I like to find a home for every card, you know? Yeah, yeah. I want to try and build a deck purely around this card. <laughs> just... <laughs> just one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, that, those are all the cards. But like I said, let's not dwell on the end comes. <laughs> uh, but it's because uh, there are some really really top heroes and some really nice neutral cards too so i think as we play through this cycle for the podcast um i'm definitely by the way i'm going to break away from the dwarf deck that i've been using in cards of doom i think i've played them enough i've explored them enough but i'm going to do exactly like i did for the first cycle when we discussed it is that i'm going to not restrict myself to strictly a progression of playing only cards that came out in that specific AP of the quest we're doing. I'm going to use basically all the cards which are available till the end of the cycle. And I'm going to build some decks around that. So I am looking forward to building some decks with these heroes and uh, and taking them for a spin. Yep, same here. Um, I was just looking back. I made some notes about how I got through, which decks I used to get through these quests on uh, in this cycle the first time around. And... Uh, yeah, I'm actually just, I'm quite excited to go back and revisit a couple of these, I think. So I think I'll definitely revisit a couple and I think I'll try and come up with some new ones based on what we spoke about today as well. Yeah. And we do have some decent quests coming up too. Oh yeah, some crackers. Some crackers. Yeah. Um, okay, well, it seems like an age ago that we had a fact of the week and I shared the love. Oh, but, God, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. <laughs> But as this is a player card episode, these sections of the show are back. So, back off a week. <laughs> every week. It's every not, week. We don't even do one every episode. Every week without <laughs> fail. We must continue to call it fact of the week, though. Okay, what's the fact of the week, John? Um, okay, I'm going to just work out which one we're up to. Um, yeah, see, this is Four. also... This is also... Well, it is also a bit awkward because... There are lots and lots of facts, and they there were lots of them towards the beginning of the release of the game. Of course, so a lot of them relate to 
sort of the, the core set and very early cards. And now we're way past all of this, and the facts still relate to it. But I think they'll catch up, though. Yeah, they'll catch up I because definition. I think yeah. Um, and maybe we have to do a couple at a time, but we can look into that. So this is the fact for this week. Question this week. It's a question. <laughs> uh, what happens to Banks of the Anduin? That's right. Can I have your mind back? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what happens to Banks of the Anduin if it is drawn as a shadow card? Because <laughs> this is a riddle. Okay. Oh, isn't Banks of the Anduin a... I'm thinking of the quest card on the second... No, Banks... Quest. Yes, well, no, it's a, it's an encounter card on the second quest. Um, it's the one where... Oh, we should perhaps dig it out, but it's the one where I think when it's explored, it goes to the top of the encounter deck. Oh, that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you can do some nice tricksy things with it, yeah. bouncing it around. So actually, I think that's exactly what this relates to. It's like, I've drawn it as a shadow card. Does it go to the top of the encounter deck or does it get discarded? The answer is it gets discarded, but let's just read the official answer. Answer, it will be discarded. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Okay, answer. It will be discarded from play at the end of the combat phase, like other shadow cards. When a card is drawn as a shadow card, only its shadow text is considered to be active. Okay, yeah, not much to say about that, I think. But, but uh, I mean, a great one for new players, but as I think we've said before, by the time you got to this point in the podcast, you're probably well aware of how shadow cards work, that anything above the shadow line on an encounter card is completely ignored when it's a shadow card you only ever look at the what's below the shadow line when you do, when it, when, it, when it's oh, a shadow oh i see well, to be honest for me the way i do that yeah it's, if that shadow line thing isn't there i just it completely ignore anything it says on that card yeah absolutely yeah there's no shadow yeah. no shadow yeah 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 no absolutely okay yeah fine 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 okay cuz i was getting confused around that question at first i didn't quite understand it but yeah that makes yeah, that makes sense. Oh, so Banks of the Enderman Pro doesn't have a shadow effect or anything then? It doesn't. It, well, I've got it here, actually. Here's Bank, Banks of the Enderman has no shadow effect. It says, uh, it's a Riverland, blah, blah, blah. Force, if Banks of the Enderman leaves play, return it to the top of the encounter deck instead of placing it discard pile. But that's just its actual effect. And there's no, yeah, there's no shadow line. There's no shadow effect at all. Oh, but that's actually quite interesting. So it's not when it's explored. It's when it leaves play. So actually, I can see why this fact was raised. Because that card is leaving play, but of course it, it it's, it's not really sh- in play though. No, it's, it's a not. No, no, card. but it, it's shadow. It's a shadow. When it's a shadow, but I can see why it was asked. Because if it was, if Banks of the yeah, yeah. said once it's explored, it goes to the top of the encounter deck, then the question wouldn't need to be asked because obviously you're not exploring it when it's a shadow card. Um, but that shadow card is leaving play, but it's it's never like you say it's never really in play as yeah. a encounter card. It's because there is no shadow effect, but. Just know, which I'm sure everyone does already, that when it's a shadow card, only text below the shadow line is in play. And it says shadow. And it says shadow. It says shadow. Yeah. Alrighty. Okay. Well, we're rattling through the uh, the facts from the core set. Thanks for the Andrew. My goodness. Okay. Well, now then, it's time for our share the love section. It's the part of the show where we point towards some other resources to do with Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings, the card game. Um, This one's a bit of an obscure one. 
but that's always fun. Um, and it sort of ties in to the whole Khazad Doom experience we've been having. Uh, you remember a few episodes ago, we were looking into Zigil or Ziggle Minor. Oh, goodness, yeah. Yeah, and the Dwarven Tongue, the Kuzdal, Kazdal, Kuzdal, something like that. Um, Neo Kuzdal. Neo Kuzdal, exactly. <laughs> now. <laughs> I remembered something. Yeah. You did. <laughs> Well, this is a this is a website that I was reading, and actually, it's really terrific. It's um, someone has been putting a lot, a lot of work into this over the years, and it is called the Dwaro Scholar. Wow. dot com again. I don't know. Let me just see. Is um, it the Dwaro Scholar? No, just Dwaro Scholar. I think. I think it is the Dwaro Scholar, but I think the website is just Dwaro Scholar. And basically, there's this guy. I don't know who he is. He's the Dwaro Scholar. He is into dwarfs. <laughs> this guy loves Tolkien and he loves his dwarfs. Oh and he God, is... he really does, doesn't he? I've just looked up the website. Wow. <laughs> And he's really been looking into the language and where it's been used in in the movies for Neo Kuzdal, um, and where it was used in Tolkien's work itself, and also all things kind of dwarfy. So if you are having fun with dwarfs, <laughs> in, in you know playing along with us, and you want to get a bit more background into the dwarven texts and the dwarven history, then this is a great place to go and show your support because. Uh, there's a lot of fun little things on well, there. This guy's gone to town. <laughs> I love it. I really admire people who just, if they're interested in something, just unapologetically just go for it. Absolutely. It's great. It's great. It's like, fill your boots. This is un- that's unreal. Yeah, no, and absolutely. I completely heartily agree. And that's one of the reasons why I really want to highlight these sites. Because like, the more obscure, the better. you know. Because these people, they put a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of love into their hobby. Definitely. And, um, and if, if we can help uh, spread the word, then why not? Even if those words are not in Neo-Castle. <laughs> is that right? Or not if those words are less than courteous. <laughs> I spit upon your grave. <laughs> Wasn't it? Yeah, Didn't you yeah, say yeah. that's what the translation yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember something else. Maybe maybe my memory is good for, for dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> well, like comparably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his memory is terrible. But, you know, for dwarves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a special place in my brain. <laughs> Not in my heart, in my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, have a look on there. If, I mean, it's lots, lots of good stuff. I mean, yeah, there's pages and pages of it. So I'm not going to go into any details. But if you are at all interested in Dwarven language or just dwarfs, <laughs> it's it's really is a... No, he's it, got a Neo... That's oh, Kuzdal, is it? Or Kuzdal, Neo... Yeah, I think we said Kuzdal last time, but I think it yeah, is Kuzdal. He's got a Neo Kuzdal dictionary. Full on dictionary here. This is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, translation tools. Wowzers. We should have found this one before we did that episode. <laughs> but does it say anything about pronunciation? So, what was it, Sigil or Zigil? Yeah, well, I still haven't quite got to the bottom of it. Okay, we need to get in contact with this I'm guy. Go, I think I will. I will get in contact with him and uh, let's get this. Uh, let's get this put this to rest. Age old question answered <laughs> once and for all. <laughs> 
<laughs> we can all sleep easy after that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, actually, that pretty much wraps up this episode then. So next time, I was going to say next week, next time, <laughs> no, mate, let's make no promises, um, we'll be back to playing the game and we'll be starting the Dwaradar cycle. And you mentioned it earlier, you had the insert. Oh, the Redhorn Gate. Redhorn Gate. And I do remember that this cycle is particularly good. There's some particularly good quests in the cycle, so I'm quite looking forward to uh, getting back into them and uh, also looking forward to building some different decks. So, Definitely, uh, yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, these are some crackers coming up. Good. All right. Good. Oh, <laughs> oh good. <laughs> Okay, but before then, if you do want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways to do it. That you can get in touch with us directly via email at laytotherings at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Twitter thread. We have a very poorly managed Twitter thread. Um, Twitter? No, it's not a thread, is it? What is it? Probably, we have Twitter. Uh, we, yeah. We have it. We, <laughs> Presses. We, <laughs> um, we're on Twitter, which is at laytotherings. <laughs> Okay, we're on t- we're on Twitter, which is Alan of the Rings, um, and we have the Board Game Geek thread, which, as ever, there will be a link to in the show notes. So, with that, it's time for bed. <laughs> yeah. Did you literally slap your thigh when you said that? <laughs> Done. <laughs> And all it leaves me to say is thanks once again for listening. Um, Take care right there. And until next time, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 